Day, July the 4th, entitled The Great Escape. It was an American film about an escape by Allied prisoners of war from a German POW camp during World War II. This camp was so high in security that the commandant tells the senior British officer, and I've watched it many times last week in this trailer for the movie, and he said these words, there shall be no escape from this camp. And so immediately the senior British officer, he says, it's a sworn duty by all soldiers to try and escape. And so the British officer immediately plans for the greatest attempted escape to break and set free 250 prisoners. The plan was to confuse, to confound, and harass the enemy. There's a spiritual application here. Many times we are harassed by the enemy. Wouldn't you love to be able to harass the enemy, Satan? Wouldn't you love to confuse him? Wouldn't you love to confound him? Can I tell you that if you obey the truth of God's word, we can confuse him. We can mess up his plans that he has for us as Christians by following the truth of God's word. So in this particular movie, teams were organized to begin tunneling. Three different ones at the very same time. And under the guards' noses, they work at tunneling in an attempt to experience freedom. Now, the film became a huge box office success with its action and with its suspense. It became one of the highest grossing films of 1963. Why? It's because everybody loves a great escape story. Everybody loves when the impossible is attempted. Everybody loves the thought of rising above the odds that are stacked against you. Everybody loves a great ending. In this case, those that did escape, suddenly they become our heroes. We lift them up. We parade them. They become models for us to attempt the impossible ourselves. They made it, and we cheer And we applaud them. And then following this movie, many other escape films continued to be made. And people flocked to the theaters and and they became acquainted with brand new heroes. Heroes that escaped. Got out of the clutches of the enemy. Broke through. And experienced freedom. There's someone else I want to bring into the picture at this time. His name was Harry Houdini. Another figure that we all admire for what he made possible. Many people said it's impossible for you to break out of jail. Impossible for you to get free, but he proved them wrong. He was a great escape artist. He was actually given certificates from various wardens for escaping from their prisons. And he said this. He said, there's not a prison in the country made that I cannot escape from. Confinement, restrictions, and bondage for him meant 
This becomes my challenge. All it did was fire him up. Where there is a will, and we all know it, there will be a way. We'll find a way to escape. He was escaping from straitjackets. He was escaping from handcuffs and milk cans and coffins and packages that were lowered into the water upside down. He was setting himself free. Well, watch this. do that, can't you? It makes it look pretty simple, pretty simple. But the truth is, all of us, in some way, we have escape stories that we could share. We escape routine. This past summer, probably, you, you escaped from Brandon. You got in your car. You drove away. Let's get out of normality for a bit. We escaped brand new territory to experience. We escaped winter. Some from our church have already escaped, but got away, and they're heading to warmer place. May they get sunburned so bad. <laughs> but you'll never tell them I said that. No, I just wish the very, very best for them. We all have our escape stories. We escape family and relatives. Why do you think I made my way to the West in 1978 from good old Nova Scotia? Get away from relatives, family. My mother once time phoned me and stopped. She said, so-and-so wants to know where you live. They're coming out from the West. I said, don't tell them where I live. Don't tell them. Don't give my address. You know, there's even a vehicle made called the Ford Escape. It's the getaway SUV. Escape in a Ford. What a great TV ad. We also have escape plans. Cities have escape routes in case of emergencies. And I was in Fargo yesterday and I noticed, and since I'm speaking about escape, of course, that's on my mind a lot. So I'm looking for everything, you know, it just happens to be something I'm focused on now. And so I saw a sign on the side of the road that said snow escape route. Are they expecting snow? We're not expecting snow. But I don't know if we have them in Brandon or not. I haven't seen them. But we have escape plans. Homes have them in case of fire. Church, we have one right at the back in both doors and downstairs. Escape routes in case of fire, run. That's what it says. No. It has a plan. The ushers will lead you out. And you go and stand by the sign at the front. That's our escape route. We all have escape plans, but 
Do you have one for your life? What about an escape route if you get into trouble? We all have. We're so organized in so many other ways when it comes to escape. We plan ahead for vacations and all these sorts of things. But what about when trouble and pain and difficulty come into your life? What's your plan of escape? Do you have one? How many have heard this? I've escaped with my life. I lost everything, but my life was spared. Maybe it was a house fire. Maybe it was a workplace accident. And maybe you found yourself in that kind of a situation in the past, and you're just grateful to be alive. You're grateful to be here. You've escaped with your life. It was 1978. I just made my way out from Nova Scotia to Bible College, and between Christmas and New, or between Christmas and New Year, it was about three weeks off. I was heading home by car in my friend's car. We made it as far as Dryden, Ontario. That's the last sign that I saw. And I was sleeping in the back, and it was a 1971 or 72 Mustang Mach 1, yellow, with stripes on the side. Those black louvers on the back, a collector's car today. Very, very valuable. He bought it in 1978 for $800. What a deal. Well, no longer around. Anyways, and we were that car. Anyways, in Dryden, Ontario, the last sign I saw was Dryden. And then we, after the accident, the policeman said that we were traveling between 60 and 80 miles per hour. And we skid for 250 feet. After 250 feet, we connected with the rock cut backwards. At that point, I made my exit out the back. Cleaned out the window. Up goes the louver. Down comes the louver. Bounce off that rock cut. Hit to the other side. Hit the other side. My friend looks back. I'm gone. He sees the louver because it come back down. But he didn't know where I went. So he's yelling, Gary, Gary, Gary. Now I'm yelling, I'm over here in the ditch. But he yelled out three times when we were in that skid. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And immediately after the car stopped, a semi-truck came around this sharp corner. Wow, that was close. And I remember thinking, I've escaped death. I could have, it could have been game over. So from that point on, one friend took the bus home. The other one took the train home, and I took the plane. Oh, <laughs> different directions. Escape. Now, this ser- sermon series this morning could also be entitled The Great Deliverance. Because escape means deliverance. And I'm convinced that there will always be something in our lives that we're going to be wrestling with. Just living can cause us to end up in some chains. Just living can cause us to slip into a type of bondage. It can be so quick. And suddenly we feel shackled. We're always going to need great escapes. From the moment we're born to the day we die, our life is going to consist of a series of escape stories out of particular issues and bondages we find ourselves in. Have you ever tried to herd cats? Does it work? It doesn't work. Because what happens is they scatter everywhere. You cannot herd cats. And sometimes we try to herd up our troubles. We'll herd up our problems. We'll round them up and we'll deal with the issues. And once and for all, we'll get them all together. We'll be done with. And so for the next 80 years, we're okay. Or until Jesus comes. That's not going to be the way it'll be. 
Life is messy. And our hands are always getting dirty as we fumble through and handle the greasy issues of life. You that are homeowners know that the house is never done. As soon as you are done, then there are renovations. And as soon as you come to the altar and give your heart to Christ, come to the altar and pray for a particular need, you get up and go on your way, there's some renovations that will need to happen. Then changes. And you're always renovating a house. It needs new cupboards. It needs new carpet. It needs new flooring. It needs new fixtures. And our lives are kind of the same way from birth unto death. There's going to be issues that we're going to wrestle with. There's going to be renovations and changes and great escapes we're going to have to have in our lives to be victorious. The truth is, though, not everyone gets to share or experience a great escape story. Have you met people that they're, they're stuck in captivity? And it seems like, now you know what, it's, it's either, it's like a ball going up the, in the sky or it's coming down. And they're going down. And every time you talk to them or speak with them, you find that what comes out of their mouths is defining for you that they are really in a deep pit and going down further. They're stuck in captivity. And what happens is it shuts down their peace. It shuts down their joy and their laughter and their contentment and their happiness. They never seem to get out. More issues keep piling on top of them and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in the pit they go. And I want to say this morning to you that Christ does not want us to live in compounding bondages. But Christ's desire for you and I is to experience a steady series of one great escape after another. Doesn't the Bible say from glory to glory, he is changing us? From victory to victory, he leads us. Okay, what's in between victory? Maybe a defeat. Maybe a valley, maybe a problem, maybe something that we, we're wrestling with. And so he takes us from mountain peak to mountain peak to mountain peak. And he says that I will lead you from victory to victory to victory so that you have great escape stories to share over and over again. It's not a one-time event, not a one-time experience or prayer that you pray. But it's a journey, it's a process, it's a continual breakthrough one after another, one after another that we need to experience. That's just simply called life. John chapter 8, verse 31 to 36. The, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said these words, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Over and over, 
I read that this past week. Over and over, I prayed that. Over and over, I asked God, give me greater understanding of what you're saying. Those are words. Those are powerful. Those are mighty. But I just want to digest them. I want to camp on them for a while. And so I did. But now there are four things that I want to tell you that Jesus is saying here. The first one is this. True disciples are teachable. True disciples are teachable. John chapter 8 and 31, he brings this out. They desire to be students of the word. I desire to be a student of God's word until I breathe my last breath. I don't ever want to get to the place where I say, God, why don't you do this? God, I don't want you to do that. I don't want to tell God what he should be doing. And says Christians, sometimes we do that. We display stubbornness. We give our hearts to Christ and then we try to tell God how he ought to run the universe. That's not what I read about how I should be living my life as a believer. I am the clay and he is the potter. I ought to be shapeable and moldable so that he can build my life and mold me in the way he wants me to be. And so Jesus, I believe, is saying here that true disciples are teachable. They hold to teaching. Secondly, I think that Jesus is saying here is that truth brings freedom. Verse 32, lies. How many know that lies will always bring us into captivity? The father of lies is the enemy. He's out to seek, to destroy, to uproot, to torment, to tear you down, to get you in bondage and keep you there, to secure your place in that pit. Lies brings us into captivity. And I find that whenever I listen to his lies, and sometimes they come at me just through my mind, where he, he, a lie comes my way through my mind, or sometimes the enemy uses willing vessels. And a vessel that can be used by the enemy to deliver words that are powerful, that chop and destroy and bring people into captivity. So I find that whenever I listen to the lies of the enemy coming at me from, through my mind or through another person even, that immediately I feel like I'm in captivity. I feel like I'm in a jail cell. I feel like I'm in a pit if I believe those lies. Lies will always put you in, bring you into captivity. John Maxwell said many years ago on a tape that I listened to, he said, when you're criticized, all you have to do is answer one question. Here it is. Is it true? That's all. And if it is true, do something about it. But if it's not true, move on. And I've tried to live by that ever since. Ask one question. Is it true? And if it's not true, now it's hard to do, isn't it, to forget. But you've got to work on it. Discipline your mind. Pray it through. God, I'm going to... Not camp there because it's bringing me into bondage. Number three, Jesus is saying sinners are slaves to sin. Sometimes we minimize the power of sin. Where we just feel it's just a small sin. It's just a little error. You keep doing the little error and what happens is you become a slave to sin. A slave to the enemy. This brutal taskmaster begins to ruin and run our lives. It's not dealt with can ruin us, destroy us. Number four, Jesus is saying, freedom is genuine. Nothing to debate, 
Nothing to question, nothing to argue with, with others. It's been done. Nothing to doubt. You can break free and you can walk in true freedom. You shall be free indeed. And so I read it over and over. You shall be free indeed. Underlined. It's in bold print. Jesus doesn't want us to miss it. I, I love the great escape stories that are told in the Bible. They always motivate me, encourage me. And think of Noah in, in uh, Genesis chapter 7 and verse 7. I read about Noah and his family. You know, they, they escaped the waters. But why did they escape the waters? It's because of truth, isn't it? Because they obeyed the truth of God's word. God said to Noah, build an ark. Doesn't matter what they say about you. Doesn't matter if people say you're senile. Doesn't matter if people say, are you something wrong with your mind? I want you to build a boat because it's going to rain. And when it starts to rain, it's not going to quit. And so he obeyed truth and he built that ark and that became his escape. In the book of Exodus, we read that the Israelites escaped from the gripping and depressing hands of the Egyptians. Why? Because they embraced the truth. Now, they had difficulty, didn't they, embracing the truth. They had their seasons. They were kind of going like this, weren't they? But Moses said, here's what he said to them. God told me to tell you. He has a promised land that he wants you to experience. And so Moses' whole goal and mission was, let's get to it. Come on, let's go. Let's escape to the promised land. It flows with milk and honey. How many times did David escape the murderous plots and plans that Saul had for him? Saul wanted to kill him. Saul was jealous, envious. He wanted to get David in a pit, destroy him. How many times did he just get out in the nick of time? And maybe David had this in mind when he penned Psalm 124, verses 7 and 8. And he said, we have escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. There it is again. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's in the Old Testament. Then we move into the New Testament and I read about another person that becomes a person I greatly admire. Here's what he said in Acts chapter 9 and verse 20 in the following verses. And I paraphrase it my way. Oh, he said, I once... After I found Christ, I began to preach. I began to preach. I couldn't keep silent. I was so excited. I had been set free. I had been liberated. Some were so amazed at my transformation. Some couldn't believe it was actually me. And some thought, oh, no. I knew what he was like in the old life, but I kept telling them, I'm changed. I'm transformed. And they were just amazed by my change of life. But then there are some others that they actually wanted to kill me. I thought they'd be excited about my message and about the good news I'm sharing. But they wanted to take me out. They wanted to kill me. Plots and plans against my life. And one night they thought they had me. One night they thought they had me cornered. And while their eyes were on the gates of the city, <laughs> I was somewhere else. And so... The, the men that were there, they were so fixed upon that, that I was in a place where there was a hole in the wall. And I had some friends, some good Christian brothers who loved me and concerned about my future. And I crawled in a little basket. And I put my life in their hands. And they lowered me out that hole in the wall to the ground. 
and I ran like a rabbit. I escaped. Don't you believe that Paul loved to tell that story? How he escaped. He would go on to tell others many, many stories. In fact, he had his own Houdini story about breaking out of jail. Houdini worked his way out of jail. Paul prayed his way out of jail in Acts chapter 16. In the Gospels, we read about plot after plot that was sent towards Jesus, trying to take out Jesus. And we know that because it was not Jesus' time to die, we couldn't get him. He kept escaping. And over and over, we read of Jesus getting out of there and foiling their plans that they had against him. Well, there's nothing, nothing like a great escape story. Peter had one. Peter, I wonder how many times he told this story. I was in jail and I was chained to soldiers. And one night, I was fast asleep. And I could sleep like a baby because I knew the church was praying for me. I knew there were believers that were concerned about my captivity and they were praying for my freedom. I'm fast asleep and I get this big shaking on my arm. I open my eyes as an angel. The angel said, get up, put on your shoes, quick, follow me, I'll be your guide. The angel led me right out past the gates, right past the guards. And I went to this, towards this big gate, and I stepped on the spot, and the door opened automatically. Talk about automatic doors, I had them back then too. And I was free. Peter's great escape story. Nothing like it. Having a great escape story. How many of you are here this morning and you'd love to have a great escape story? You're due for one. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, I'm tired. Tired of listening to lies. I'm tired of being in this particular bondage that I'm in. I'm tired of, I'm tired of losing battles. I'm tired of being bruised and beaten by the enemy. I'm tired of mental pain and drain. I can't even function properly. You're tired of the physical toll it's taking on you. You're not eating right, not sleeping right, not responding well. You say, it's a toll. It's killing me. Maybe you can run ragged. For the enemy and problems and issues of life. And, and you just want to have an escape story. You're ready for one. You're ready for a victory lap. You're ready to stand on the podium with your medal in your hands. You're ready to raise your hands in celebration. You're ready to yell, yes, at the top of your lungs. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You don't want to be like Rocky when he runs up those, those stairs and raises his hands. You're ready for some miracles. You're ready to say, thanks be to God who gives me the victory. And if that is your, your cry this morning, let me, let me share with you this in conclusion. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and set the stage for the future four messages that I'm going to share. And here's what the Bible says in Galatians 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. 
Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Again, another scripture that I read and read and read and read this past week. Just a small scripture, but God, I want that to penetrate my life. I really want to get a grip on what you're saying. You realize first thing here, I'm going to tell you that this is scripture's past tense. Do you realize that Jesus died on the cross already for your sins? Do you realize that many, many years ago, freedom has already been paid for, signed by Jesus in his blood on the cross? It's already been taken care of many years ago. See, escape routes and freedom experiences have already been set up for you. Jesus guaranteed it. And Paul is reminding the Galatians here of what has already happened. They're already positioned. They're already there. Past tense. Number two, this can also be present tense. And so this morning, I invite you, check your inbox. We hear it all the time now. Check your mail. You have mail. You have a text message. You have maybe snail mail. We don't get much of that any longer. But check and see what your messages are today in the present. Embrace the truth. Embrace the truth of what God is saying, and you will be set free. Number three, I like this as well, not just from my present tense experience, but future. As I said earlier, life is a series of dips, highs and lows, highs and lows, highs and lows. Life is messy. And because of that, you're going to find yourself sometimes here and sometimes there. Future tense. Future tense is you'll have the... Incredible, the most incredible escape stories to share that will bless somebody else. Because you know that in the future there will be those difficult times and those problems, but God is going to get you through and God's going to liberate you and God's going to set you up on that mountaintop and you're going to be able to share with others. I've escaped. Here's what he's done for me and what he's done for me, he'll do for you. He's no respected person. This morning, what I wanted to do was just kind of give you an introduction to the next four Sundays. And I want to narrow it down to four biggies, four things that really get us in bondage. I realize I could go on and on and on with many, many subjects, but I'm going to deal with four. And the first one is this, escape from constant worry. Worry is killing us today. Second message I want to share with you is on escaping from open wounds. Too many of us are walking down around with open wounds. Our hurts are on display and we've got to get some bandages. We've got to get them sewn up. Thirdly, escape from living death. So many people are living but they really died inside. And fourthly, escape from tormenting failure. Failure. And I pray that in some way they will liberate you and set you up, position you for the greatest year of 2012 that you've ever experienced. Because it's just around the corner. Stand with me. God, we give you praise this morning for your promise, the promise of your 
presence, we recognize that without you being here this morning, this would just be like any other gathering. But because the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ is here, because you promised and you're keep your promise we can experience the miraculous so I pray God for my family this morning I pray for great escape stories God I pray that in the days and weeks ahead there will be some that will say let me share my great escape story so I may encourage somebody else because God you want to set us up for great success when the enemy wants to try to defeat us and destroy us. We want to be the people that stand up and say, from glory to glory, he's changing us. From victory to victory, he's leading us. I will not stay in the valleys. I will not stay in that bondage. I will not stay in that torment. But I will feast my eyes upon the healer, the deliverer, the rescuer. what you're going to do. As we sing a song in conclusion, if you'd like to receive ministry, I would invite you to take a step out, step in the aisle, make your way down to the front where we, where we together can believe God for a miracle. Believe God for our great escape. You don't have to share anything if you don't want to. But if you want to share what the need is, you can. You might want to say, it's just a special need, but I need a great escape. Then we'll lay hands on you. We'll pray that God will give you that escape you're looking for this morning. Sing with us, and then I'll close in prayer. Dance,